Good morning, church. All right. Uh, thank you, Neil. So we continue with, uh, with our Mighty Man's uh, Mighty Man of God theme. Uh, so today is going to be myself and Kaya. So I want to just tell you guys a little bit about who Kaya is. Uh, Kaya, well, this is Kaya Kunene. Say hello, Kaya. <laughs> so Kaya is a student at NMU uh, studying business. And um, Kaya is the kind of guy that I would describe as a seeker. Man, the question this guy has uh, for me and Dean, we, we meet on Wednesdays and then we, we have a plan and the plan just goes this way because Kaya is, is so curious about this and it's all, it's all to do with God, it's all to do with God's word and how, 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 how this whole walking with God thing basically looks like. So Kaya and I are going to chat with you guys a little bit, Kaya have a sit, um, on the chapter on friendship um, and, uh, on the, in the same book. So I'm going to be now, it's my turn to answer, to ask questions, Kaya. So, yeah, man. So, um, Kaya, what would you say, or let me ask you, let me start by saying, how many friends do you have? Yo, 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 yo. <laughs> it's not a lot, it's just approximately 20, yep. including, obviously, wow. Facebook followers and all that. Do, do they count? <laughs> that's a that's a good question. That's a good question. Yeah, it's not a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of people, eh? Uh, I remember actually we had the same discussion about uh, two three weeks ago on friendship, and I think most guys couldn't come to two dozens. So you you are very popular man. <laughs> so um, all right. So Kaya, what, what would you say? In fact. Do you think that men need friends, or is it okay to just have buddies? You know, we golf, uh, we play soccer, we, you know, work together. Even do men need friends? In general, we yeah. all need friends. Mm. We all need to build and maintain relationships because we can't do it alone. Sure. Especially as men, we're often encouraged to adopt this lone wolf mm. character. To be this stoic, yeah. as they as they uh, say the word, yeah. Do not show any compassion or emotions. We just straight and direct. Yeah. But we do need friends. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Oh. I, I completely agree with that. I think it's it's not enough to have just buddies at a shallow level, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what would you say a real friend needs to know about you? A real friend needs to know you from a soul level, mm. from that deep, who you are, how you think, and how you often feel. That's what a friend needs to know, because we often limit to just doing things, like yeah. soccer buddies, or, or chess buddies, or weekend buddies. Yeah. All we know is what, what we do together for that specific time and day, yeah. but never how you feel in that specific day, how you experience what's going on in your life mm. and so forth wow okay I, I i completely agree with that um i think uh you actually realize your need for friendship when when things are not going well mm. you know and, and it's very hard to ask for help and assistance from people that don't know much about you you know they don't know really who you are but um so what would you say are the benefits of 
somebody knowing the real you mm. as a friend. Somebody knowing the real you as a mm-hmm. friend mm-hmm. gives you the opportunity to grow mm-hmm. in more than just one aspect in your life. Mm-hmm. You see, <laughs> I remember in high school, um, I don't know if most men might resonate with this, but we have a thing called Ikwabab. <laughs> <laughs> in a translation, I don't know what that is. In translation, it's where you get cold feet. Okay. When you see your, your crush. Uh, or the, 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 perhaps the future mother of your children. You, you see. And in that experience, you often you, you get true friendship. Because you get strength, advice, comfort. You tell it, hey boy, I wanna go talk to that girl. Yeah. And he's like, go for it. Yeah. And then you start making excuses like, ah oh boy, I'll, I'll go tomorrow. And it's like, no, 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 go. That's strength. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in that same sense, he also gives you advice. Yeah. He's like, no, don't. Go talk, go ask about schoolwork. Yeah. But obviously, keep the conversation going. Mm-hmm. He's giving you advice. Sure, sure. You see, and also that if you're not successful here yeah, because you know you might not you might not bring them all yeah it also gives you comfort it's like ah my guy yeah next time <laughs> that's when you experience yeah. true friendship awesome no that's so true but these are such key these are such key areas though i mean also your friend will be able to tell you dude she's out of your league yeah you know it's just just a bit of honesty you know it's like nah, stop messing around leave that girl alone okay so that's that's really great kaya so what would you say are maybe some other marks of true friendship so the marks of true friendship mm-hmm. honestly we've already touched on honesty honesty we have to that. be yeah. honest with each other's friends yep. if you're messing up yeah or you have to have a friend that tells you Good to know, my guy. This is not the way. Yeah. You know, the Bible says the 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 marks of a friend, mm-hmm. the the bruises of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. That's right. Yeah. That's right. right. Yep. That's the honesty part. Mm-hmm. And then always there's the generosity. Mm. As friends, you you we have to be able to share things. That's right. Share things. You, you give your friend opportunities. Yeah. You see, uh, expression too. Yeah. As men, also you need to be able to express because mm. we often, like I said, often so closed off with each other. We don't like. What sort of thing would you say that you, you we should be willing and freely be able to express to our friends? Our emotions. Okay. Especially okay. because as men, we are challenged on how to express negative emotions. Mm. Mm-hmm. frustrations, mm-hmm. anger, mm-hmm. and so forth. And if I have a friend, I can tell him, no. He'll give me advice, no, no, my guy, do like this. Mm-hmm. Or he'll comfort you. Not only will he sympathize with you, he will empathize with you, because he might also be going through the same thing mm-hmm. as a man. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I like that. I like, that. I like the expression, because, I mean, how easy is it for us men to tell each other we love each other, for example? Mm-hmm. Hey. It's, it's it's very it's very difficult without obviously making it seeing it as a sign of weakness. Yeah. To say I love you, my brother. Yeah. We, we never hear that from like yeah. other men. 
Maybe I choose like in a little girl. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Gets a little awkward, you know. A very <laughs> awkward. Say. But but um, if 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 we've learned anything from this book, we understand that real men are not afraid of that. Mm. We're not afraid to express that. Kaya, that's really awesome. I think um, I want to push us towards the the end of of the conversation here. Um, do you think that? Um, we need more than one friend or one type of friend. And if you do, why is that? I think we do need more than one type of friend mm-hmm. in order to expand our horizon. Sure. If we're always with the soccer buddies, all you know is soccer, mm-hmm. Orlando Pirates, mm-hmm. Manchester United. <laughs> but if you also have like smart friends who teach you about philosophical things. Mm-hmm. We have friends that show you different areas of Port Elizabeth, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, in high school, I used to have like a large group of friends. Okay, it's not a large, it's like only eight. Yeah, sure. Mm. Okay, uh, it's a lot. So in our group of eight friends, two were like top tens. So if it's time to study during exam we need to know something we call those guys we do a study group yeah then there's the guys who are doing sports mm-hmm. like six or seven of us mm-hmm. when it's time to like do an outing we're like guys come on let's go to this sure. soccer match and watch we're supporting we we there as a crowd as a group yeah we were there supporting each other yeah. 100%, 100%. Yeah. i think i mean as we grow i mean we we our sort of um we, we, we take on different roles, you know, I become somebody's husband, you know, that becomes important. Right? We're friends with people that have been in that uh, situation or role for a long time, for, for input, you know, they become a father. So it's, it's really important that we have different types of friends that mm-hmm. can sort of fill different roles within our lives, help us navigate different roles in our lives. Kaya, this has been great. Um, maybe in closing, would, what would you say is a takeaway for you uh, from just the chapter as well as in the context of our Saturday morning meetings? What I take away is that as men, we need to learn how to express different levels of intimacy. Mm-hmm. Can I explain that a bit more? Uh, during the Saturday outings, we were actually yesterday. We had a Zaya with us. Unfortunately, he couldn't be here, mm-hmm. and he was very upset. Oh, he's there. So, as Zaya is upset, he expresses to us what his problem and issues are. And he's, and he's so upset, we're like, we understand, my guy, we get it. And Mr. Neil was providing such great advice. Mm-hmm. So that there's sometimes you don't need to, you know, be fresh. Mm-hmm. You can offer, like some, Martin, uh, you can talk to a certain person first before you go full get blast. Some input. Get, get some, some input. Yeah. But that, that's what it is, you know. Mm-hmm. It's that emotional intimacy. That's right. To know how to express the anger without yeah. having to be raise your voice mm-hmm. and just say how you feel and what it's doing to you. Yeah. 
Awesome, my guy. Yo, this has really been great. Uh, and obviously there's a wide range of emotions that uh, we've been learning about as well as men. Uh, there is the template. Can you call it a template? The ruler. Uh, it's basically a, a four-quarter type of setup that describes a range of emotions. Some of them we didn't even know. I didn't know those until maybe a few years ago. So we've been learning how to negotiate and navigate those. Um, in closing, Kaya, thank you very much. Uh, this has really been great. I hope that the church feels encouraged. I'll just read one scripture for us and then you and I can maybe step off. Um, this is based on First Samuel 20, uh, verse 42. Uh, Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sown friendship with each other in the, in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left and Jonathan went back to town. This is just uh, an incredible example of closeness and um, intimacy between men that um, that is not weird. You know, these guys um, are willing to do anything for each other. They are not only committing to one another, they are committing they are descendants that our our families will be as close as we are so this is this is really um, it's sort of uh, it's something it's something that I'm learning it's something that we are learning as men because society teaches us to be independent it teaches us to to be strong to be sort of almost closed off and we're learning actually that we can be close as men and we can share emotional uh, and spiritual intimacy and for that to be a powerful thing rather than being a weird thing, right? Correct. Awesome, again. Thank you very much. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, today I had to share on, um, I would say, the most challenging chapter for me, which is emotions as well. Uh, so, uh, it's common to, to hear these days people talking about how men should be more expressive of their feelings and how we should open up more and feel more and let people in more in our lives. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's very common and that's a good thing, I think. Um, I look at it and see a good piece of advice when I see that, when I hear that. Um, and I would say that most men agree even, uh, but the challenge is that we um, for most of us, let me say, oh, for me personally, is that it's a, it's, a, it's a part of my life or an aspect of my life that I don't have a lot of experience with, or maybe I do have the experience, but just knowing how to deal with them or how to navigate emotions is not something I've always been able to do. Still not really, yeah, good with doing it. Um, so as much as that is common, it's not as common as hearing uh, men telling you that expressing emotion and feeling things and all these kinds of things is, is a sign of weakness and, and of being feminine as a man as well. Uh, so this presents a big challenge obviously because uh, of the things that we see happening to men or hear men going through uh, because of not being able to express their feelings. Uh, so, yeah. Thank you, Mr. Manch. So one of the reasons why people are talking about this more, I would say, is the, the suicide rate, obviously, that we see uh, on, the, on the part of men, that most men are just ending their lives. 
Uh, and um, yeah, so this sparks a conversation, obviously, that we should maybe be open more and all these things. But like I said, it's not a, it's not a, a part of our lives that we know how to deal with or that we know how to navigate. It is extremely, extremely uncomfortable. I would compare it to, it's even worse than, than, for example, exercising. We all know that exercising is good for us, but not all of us do that. And that's partly because it's uncomfortable, especially the first few weeks. Um, so I would say that emotions or expressing them and going deep, especially uh, emotions such as sadness and fear and, and, and those things, yeah. uh, extremely uncomfortable to deal with, even way more than what exercise is. So it's just easier to, to kind of stay away from that, mm -hmm. yeah. to stay away from, from those emotions and just maybe go about your life. Because, I mean, if you can get away with not exercising and continue to live your life, this is something that is physical, that people can see, people can tell whether you exercise or not, for the most part. So emotions are something that you deal with internally, so this makes it even easier to deal with them because nobody's going to see what you're dealing with or whether you're even dealing with your emotions or not. Yeah, so... Um, so so this, this hasn't been a problem for me, I would say, up until the last two months, up until we started getting into this chapter of emotions where I find, found myself being challenged I found myself being challenged uh, because I never viewed emotions as something that God wanted us to to experience and to explore, especially as men. Uh, but just going through this chapter, I came to learn that actually God wants us to to experience and to to explore our emotions. Um, I would even take it further uh, by saying that us as men, if you don't experience or explore your emotions as deeply as you could, it kind of limits the, the, the experience that you have with God. It, it limits your, the fullness of that experience of, of your work with God, I would say. Um, just to make a quick example uh, from a chapter where Mr. Manjo and Kaya quoted, uh, where David and Jonathan, uh, they had a relationship, they, they, they loved each other deeply, it, it does say so in the Bible, and they, they expressed that to each other. They expressed that to each other. Um, they loved each other to a point where, at some point, um, David, as we know, that he was supposed to be king after, after, after Saul, who was the father of Jonathan. Normally, obviously, Jonathan is the son of Saul, so normally he would be the one who's next in line in, in, in succession, right? So when the time came when uh, Saul had to now relinquish his power and, and, and let David be the one who becomes king, mm -hmm. Uh, things sort of changed. He suddenly didn't want to uh, didn't want to do that anymore. He wanted to hold on to power uh, and make sure that it goes down like his family line. So wanted Jonathan to be to, to be the one who who becomes king. Uh, Jonathan, being jo um, David's friend, I think this this highlights just how deep their their friendship was and their relationship was. Is that as as David as Saul sorry was pursuing David to kill him. Jonathan was the one who, who did everything basically that he could do to make sure that uh, David doesn't die. He saved his life basically, risking his own life so that he would save her. Um, so that, that just goes to show how deeply they loved each other, that this man was willing to, to, to let go of, of the possibility of that he could become king just for the sake of the relationship that he had with, with David. So that was super deep. Um, and so I feel like when we do not express and explore our emotions, it, it deprives us of, of, of experiencing relationship with each other like that. So we don't really go that deep to, to say, okay, 
uh, we love each other and we tell each other that and we are not afraid to, to cry in front of each other and to, to express our emotions just as Jonathan and David did uh, when they, the time came for them to part. Uh, David obviously was, was running away from Saul and uh, Jonathan had to remain. So when they were parting, it is said in the Bible that they wept and David, David was the one who wept the most, uh, but they both cried. It was a, a deep emotional moment for them and they weren't afraid to express it. Also, um, another example that I would say uh, of love and uh, the expression of emotions that we, we deprive ourselves of is that of Jesus. When Jesus came back and heard that, well, he, he knew uh, that, that Lazarus has died. And he knew that he was going to raise him from the dead. But when he came and he saw um, his sisters and other people, other, other Jews there as well, who were crying and grieving for, for, for Lazarus, he too, he wept. I'm just going to read it quickly. It says when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come a long way, or along with her, sorry, weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. So the fact that Jesus, I've always asked myself, like, why, why did Jesus cry? Why did he weep for, for Lazarus, knowing full well that he was gonna, he was gonna bring him back to life just a few moments later? So I, I never really understood that part, but but it's in the Bible. That's crazy. It's it's there as well. It says that then the Jews said, "See how he loved him." So Jesus now expressing those emotions and crying with the people as they were crying, it showed the people that wow, this man really loved Lazarus, right? So um, that's. Um, with that, I want to say that it's, uh, it's difficult, I would say, I would imagine it's difficult for people, the people that are close to us, if you're married, your wife, or if you have kids, or just your friends, to know that we love them if we, we do not experience, I'm sorry, ac- express those emotions to them. So it makes it difficult. And in our lives as well, I would say that if, if the people close to me never showed emotion or, or expressed maybe... Uh, grief with me in times of my trouble, I would seriously doubt that they, they actually do love me. And so, yeah, I think uh, um, that, that, that paragraph is just, that, that, sorry, that passage is just great in showing us that expressing emotion actually is not only beneficial for you as a person who's expressing, but also for the ones around you. Uh, now, I would say with that, it's good to express, um, it's good to express emotion, it seems like the Bible is telling us so, but... There is a danger, the book that we've been going through sort of highlights the, the danger that comes with emotion that is expressed in an ungodly way, or rather let me say expressed in a way that um, has no regard for God. Or just, uh, For example, emotions like sadness, anger, and fear, I would say the, those are the most common um, emotions among men. Those are the emotions that we, we experience a lot more than any other emotion. We, we get angry a lot, and the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. And so, in our anger, most of the time, it leads to, 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 to the people that are close to us being hurt, because there's normally violence in, included in that. Um, we see domestic violence, we hear stories every day, basically, of domestic violence. This is because men expressing their anger, which is an emotion, but expressed in a, in a way that is negative. Um, just a quick example also, when Saul, when Saul was angry with, with, um, with Joshua, sorry, with, with Jonathan, after learning that he actually was trying to, to help David escape, he was angry to a point where, I want to I read this, it's 1 Samuel chapter 20, I think, uh, verse 28, 28, let me just quickly check. 
20. Thank you, Caitlin. So it says, Saul boiled with rage at Jonathan, you stupid son of a whore. That's what he says to him. He saw at him, Do you think I don't know that? Sorry, do you think do you think I don't know that you want him to be king in your place, shaming yourself and shaming your mother? So he's talking to his son saying this. And then another emotion that we, we deal with in a, I would say, a negative way for the most part as men is sadness uh, or grief. Uh, most men, I think I raised this point a few weeks back when we were doing this, this, this chapter, is that we as men, for the most part, only, only express our, our grief and our sadness in, in the most negative ways, and those ways normally include drug use and, and alcohol. So without the, the use of drugs and alcohol, it's, it's, it's difficult for us to express uh, those, those emotions or to express our sadness or our, our, our grief because we don't want to talk to people. It's not easy. It's uncomfortable to talk to people. And so it's just easier to, to get drunk. And then getting drunk obviously makes it easier to talk to people. And so that's where you find men opening up more is when they're drunk. And then another emotion... Uh, one of the big three, I would say, emotions that men deal with and that have the, the biggest potential to, to hurt the people that are close to us is fear. Fear, um, for the most part, paralyzes. It paralyzes you big time, especially when you, you fear failing or fearing just your future or something like that. It paralyzes you to a point where you end up not even taking action sometimes. And our inaction as men, unfortunately, especially as people who have responsibilities, they tend to affect other people as well. It's like if you don't take action, people are going to suffer, obviously. Uh, if you don't get up and do something that you have to do, get up and work, for example, obviously your kids are going to suffer and maybe your wife too if you're a married man. Um, so I think I'm getting way ahead of my time, but uh, <laughs> I'm just going to say... Um, in conclusion, I want to conclude uh, by saying that, uh, that it's clear in the Bible and the book kind of it makes it clear to us that emotions are something that God has given us to experience, to to ex- to explore, right, and to use uh, for the good. But if those emotions are expressed outside of God, and uh, God is excluded in that equation of expressing these these emotions then we, we have a problem, the problem that we see today uh, in the world with men. We have a problem, firstly, of not knowing, because this is another thing, not knowing who to express your feelings to uh, and how to, and also the context in which you must express those feelings. That's another thing we have. So, yeah, I would say that it's good to, it's good to feel as a man and it's good to, to know that God is actually in support of that, that we must feel. He encourages us to, to go deeper and to, to cry with each other, to, to be sad with each other, to be happy with each other if, 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 if there's something to be happy about. And uh, yeah, that's just one of the things that I've been really appreciating about the meeting that we have been, the meetings that we have been having on Saturdays with, uh, with the men, because we are exploring things that I never thought I'd see myself sitting down at the table talking about emotions with other men, because that's just, it's kind of unheard of where I come from. I don't know about other people, but yeah, it's nothing. It's something I've never, I've never, I've never done before. I've never said to the men and expressed how I feel, whether like any man at all. So this was the first time, and it's it's still difficult, honestly. But um, I'm learning a lot, and I'm really grateful for that. So yeah, that's all I have to share for today. Yeah. Yeah.
Cool. Uh, morning, family. Um, so I have the unfortunate task of talking about humility, the, the topic that no one really wants to talk about. Although, you know, I guess I'm the humblest of them all. So, you know, I suppose that's why I was chosen for this. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, this has been a, just a really cool um, series overall to go through. Sorry, I'm still recovering a little bit from a cold, so my voice isn't all there, but hopefully it'll be fine. Um, yeah, this has just been a really cool time overall. Um, this is, I guess, I'm the last of the six sharing pieces, um, but we haven't gotten through the whole book yet, so there'll be like another set of sharing that'll probably happen at some point, but right. this is kind of like the first half, the end of the first half. Um, and this has just been a really cool time overall. Um, Sam Lang's book, Mighty Man of God, has been really insightful. Um, it's been a good reminder of kind of reshaping our views on what manliness looks like and what and what mighty looks like and uh, the topic on humility was honestly no different um, there was a lot of reshaping of humility that, that had to take place and when I um, kind of started off with this sharing and I was preparing this thing a question that I posed to myself I suppose and a question that I'm going to pose to you is can a man be mighty and humble at the same time and you know you don't have to say man you can say man or woman genuinely this applies to everyone but i think in the in the context of what we've been looking at it's mighty men of god so can a man be mighty if he is humble so i'll ask you a question what kind of words come to mind when you think of the word mighty strong, strong yeah oh. fearless fearless able. able you said power yeah anything else anything? courageous, courageous right yeah really standout words right like mm, you can almost get this when you think of the word mighty you can almost picture almost comes to mind right if you think of a, a mighty man did the word humble like pop up in your mind by any chance i mean maybe it did because i'm talking about it obviously <laughs> you know it's kind of like the you know don't think of a pink elephant and now you're thinking of a pink elephant so um what sort of words come to mind when you think of the word humble Calm. Calm. Control. Control. I like that. Controlling. Controlling. <laughs> Controlling humility. That's an interesting one. <laughs> Vulnerable. Vulnerable. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm? Down to earth. Yeah. Relatable, maybe. Yeah. What else? Gentle. Yeah. So we're kind of getting almost these two sort of opposing pictures, right, when we look at the two words, right? Like, like just like, okay, obviously, you know, if we think about it and think about it, maybe we can join the two. But on initial sort of thinking of it and our initial image of it, the two pictures don't really match up, right? A man who is mighty and a man who is humble. Um, yeah, when we think of mighty, we think of strong you know, someone who stands up and stands out. And when we think of humble, we think of someone that's quiet, maybe non-confrontational. They just sort of get on in the background. You know, they don't really draw attention to themselves or anything like that. And it's true. Some of that might be true, right? But I think that we kind of have a wrong idea of the word humility. Um, and obviously, as, as Christians, you know, I think we probably have a more correct view of humility than probably most people in the world. But I think subconsciously, our view of humility has kind of been maybe warped a little bit by the world around us. 
So I was kind of thinking of how we might define, how we might redefine the word humility. And uh, I think Jesus kind of embodied this pretty well when he said this in John 5 verse 30. He said, on my own, I can do nothing. And if, you, and if a man were to come up to you and say, you know, I, I can't do anything on my own, you probably wouldn't really describe someone like that as very mighty, right? It's like, yeah, well, you seem pretty, you seem pretty weak, yeah? You know, you, you, you're not really a go-getter, you know, you, you don't really seem like you can get much done. But I think that the key to redefining humility is thinking about it not as something that we do, but rather where our focus is or something that we focus on, right? Because when we think of humility, we think of all these things that you might do in order to be humble, right? But if we look at humility as not something that we do, but rather something that we focus on or where our focus is, then we might get to a kind of more accurate picture of what humility is. Pride, which is the opposite of humility, will tell you, I've got this. But humility says, I don't got this, but I know who does. And I think that kind of takes us to two kind of key things that um, I feel like Sam Lang really outlined in the chapter, which I thought was really good. Humility, you can think of it as realizing a need, right? And it's two things. It's realizing our need for God. That's an obvious one, right? And I think most of us are pretty... Maybe not all of us are comfortable with that idea, but, you know, we all might pray to God in a time of need, you know, it's not like we, uh, okay, maybe some of us probably maybe struggle with that, but, you know, you have your kind of private conversation with God, you kind of lay out to him, God, this is what I'm going through, you know, that's really a problem for me, I really need your help. You know, that's, that, you know, if you've been a Christian for a while, that thing might come naturally to you. But another thing that we need is people. And I think that's maybe a little more tricky for us than realizing our need for God, right? Because people are, well, they're, they're tangible, they're physical, they're right in front of us. You know, we care what people think about us. I think needing people is something that doesn't come as naturally to us. You know, but it's important to realize that God gave us a family for a reason. He gave us community for a reason. And I think the reason why it's so difficult often to admit our need to people is because we don't like to feel weak. You know, we don't like to, we almost don't really like to embody that image of humble in front of the people around us because we're afraid of what they might think of us. We're afraid that it might make us vulnerable. And Mamali, you said, you said the word vulnerable. You know, we don't like to feel that vulnerability. We don't like to lean on people in need. We might think we're a burden or we might, you know, all these different things that come to our mind. We might admit that we're in need silently to God, but we don't really like to admit that we're in need publicly to the people around us. But it's important to realize that humility does not equal weakness. That's an important distinction to make. Someone who is humble is not weak. The thing is, pride is something that is very easy. It's natural almost, right? Pride is a natural reaction in a lot of situations. But humility, humility takes strength. It takes strength to admit when you're in need. And I think uh, Paul's example of this is very profound, and I think we can learn a lot from him. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8 to 10, I'm going to read the NLT. It reads, Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away from me. Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I think the beautiful thing about humility is that 
it doesn't equal weakness. In fact, it has the opposite effect. Humility disarms weakness, right? When we're able to be humble, when we're able to admit our weakness. It turns, and I think in this situation, Paul's weakness didn't, uh, Paul's, yeah, his humility created a space in his life where God could fill, where God could elevate him. So how do we kind of figure out if, you know, how to be humble? What, what are the characteristics of a humble person? And I think, um, again, like in the book, uh, Sam Lang outlines three key like, characteristics, which I thought would be pretty cool just to go through. Or maybe questions that you can ask yourself about your own humility. First of all, you can ask yourself, am I approachable? Do people feel comfortable approaching me about anything? Um, do I apologize even when I feel defensive about the thing that someone has maybe brought up with me? You know, am, am I able to apologize? And the third thing, and the thing that maybe a lot of us don't like, might not initially realize is a key characteristic of humility is, am I confident? Right? That's maybe not something that you would think is a quality of a humble person, but am I confident? Because lacking confidence isn't automatically humility, right? Like if you just don't take center stage because you're too worried about yourself or you're too worried. That's not humility. That's just as prideful as someone that would stand up here and do something in their own strength, right? I think the Bible is very countercultural when it comes to the view on humility. And, you know, as a man, like I know society attaches a lot of things to the word mighty or success. They attach it to things like what home, how big your home is that you own, what car do you drive, how many women do you have or can you attract in your life? How much money do you have in the bank, you know, um, in your savings or whatever it may be. But I've realized that in order to be a mighty man, I must first humble myself and I must realize that, uh, I must realize my need for God and for people. And I think Sam Lang says it really well when he wraps up at the end of the book. He says the only way, the only way up is down. <laughs> um, and I think this is a great passage in 1 Peter 5, verse 5 to 6. It says, um, And all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. So I asked the question at the beginning, can a man be mighty and humble at the same time? I would argue that that is the only time when a man can be mighty. Is when he is humble and I think Jesus is obviously the perfect example in all of this for all of us um, Philippians 2 verse 6 to 11 and I'm gonna read this just as we prepare for the communion as well um, as we really focus on Christ's sacrifice and his resurrection and even if you think about like the resurrection right it's such a parallel like reflection of humility right if the only way down if the only way up is down christ literally became the lowest of the low and he literally died which if we think of death we think of death as like going down right when people die they get buried but then he was resurrected he was brought up you know the the um, his sacrifice and his resurrection is a very clear picture of humility for us the philippians 2 verse 6 to 11 reads though he was god he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names that 
At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. I'm just going to pray for the communion, and then yeah, we'll go from there. <clears throat>